coming up on this week's episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Get an older friend if you're young, get a younger friend if you're old, and that's one of the simplest things you can do to live longer for both people. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Mark Hyman here. Now I'm always being asked how to source high quality meat and seafood. So I wanna share one of my favorite resources with you that I use to get high quality protein in my own diet. Now unfortunately, most meat and seafood at the grocery store is not serving our health or the planet for that matter. Conventionally raised animals have higher levels of inflammatory fats, not to mention all the antibiotics, hormones, and other harmful compounds that we just should not eat. And the seafood, well, that can be full of heavy metals and other toxins or just lacking nutrients in general because they're farm-raised. And don't even get me started on the environmental and the inhumane aspects of conventional meat and seafood production either. That's another huge issue that we can improve by shopping more consciously. And that is why I love ButcherBox. They make it super easy to get humanely raised meat that you can trust by delivering it right to your doorstep. Butcher Box has everything you could want, like 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and even wild-caught Alaskan sockeye salmon, and shipping is always free. Now, Butcher Box is committed to humanely raised animals that are never given antibiotics or hormones, and since they take out the middleman, you get extra savings. This is a major stipulation I always tell my patients about when it comes to animal protein. Quality needs to be a priority. And with ButcherBox, you can really feel good knowing you're getting the highest quality meat and seafood that will help you thrive. And right now, ButcherBox has a special offer and you can try the best of both worlds and get two pounds of wild-caught Alaskan sockeye salmon and four grass-fed, grass-finished sirloin steaks free in your first order plus $20 off your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com forward slash pharmacy, that's F, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, butcherbot.com forward slash pharmacy. And make sure you order between October 1st and the 15th, 2019 to take advantage of this amazing deal. I promise you'll see why I trust them when it comes to my own diet. For those of you who know me, you know that I love to cook and spend time in the kitchen. It's truly a revolutionary act. And in fact, it's the gateway to your best health. I tell my patients that to enjoy and appreciate cooking with real foods is the best way to regain their health, which is why I'm coming out with a new cookbook called Food, What the Heck Should I Cook? My team and I put together this cookbook with over 100 delicious recipes from real food. I think you're going to really love it. And if you want to learn more about it, just go to foodthecookbook.com right now, sign up, and get the free video instantly in your inbox of five steps to conscious cooking that I created to guide you through how to cook in your kitchen, all the secret tips I use. Or if you know that you really want to own the book, you can actually pre-order it right now. So when you pre-order and you show your proof of purchase, you're going to get really great bonuses, including four cooking videos of me personally cooking some of the best recipes from the book, You'll get a recipe ebook with exclusive bonus recipes. And you're gonna get so many special offers from my favorite merchants, things like Vitamix, Wayfair, Thrive Market, and lots more. I'm so excited for you to check out my new book. So just go to foodthecookbook.com. Thanks, and I'll see you in the kitchen. 
Welcome to the Doctor's Pharmacy. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman, and that's pharmacy with an F, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, a place for conversations that matter. And if you want to live long and be superhuman, then this conversation matters because it's with my close friend, a brilliant biohacker, one of the leading thinkers in medicine and health today, Dave Asprey, also known as the Bulletproof Guy, who was the inventor of Bulletproof Coffee. I'm sure you've all heard about it. It's the latest, hottest thing. He's the founder and CEO of Bulletproof 360, which is the global creator of this phenomena, Bulletproof Coffee. He's a two-time New York Times bestselling author. He's the host of the Webby Award-winning podcast, Bulletproof Radio, which I've been on a couple of times and soon to be a third. He's a serial entrepreneur. That's S-E-R-I-A-L, not cereal, <laughs> because I wouldn't have him on the podcast if he was making cereal. Yeah, he's no a global He's a global change agent. He's has dedicated two decades of his life to identifying and working with world-renowned doctors, including me, scientists, <laughs> <laughs> scientists, luminaries of human existence. I don't want to know who those are. Innovators to uncover the most advanced methods for enhancing mental, and physical performance. Dave's discoveries and the companies he founded offer tools that enable people the opportunity to take control of body, mind, and biology, elevating human performance far beyond what we ever dreamed possible. By employing the principles of biohacking, a term added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary in September 2018 with Dave's influence, congratulations, Dave has lost over 100 pounds, he's upgraded his brain He's learned to sleep more efficiently in less time, become a very effective entrepreneur, husband, father, and overall human being. And I've known Dane for many years and I keep seeing him becoming a better human being every time I meet him. He's happier, he's funnier, he's cuter, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's been featured on so much media, like the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, Nightline, Dr. Oz, the Steve Harvey Show, and lots more. His impact is really felt on a global scale. He's a true game changer and a maverick, and I am honored have Dave be a close friend and a mentor and a teacher. I learn more from him than I do from most medical textbooks. So, oh my God, it's so <laughs> Thanks, awesome. <man. laughs> it's so awesome to have you on the podcast. And we're going to talk today about something really important. The title of your new book, Superhuman, the bulletproof plan to age backward and maybe even live forever is quite a claim. Now, I once uh, was talking to you that I want to live to be 120 and you're like, why only 120? I want to be 180. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I could set my sights a little higher, but it just doesn't seem realistic. But you've written this book that brings together some of the most exciting new research about how we age and how we can unage, literally yeah. reverse aging. And, and you go into such exquisite detail with such great examples and bring in things that most people really even had, haven't heard about, things like ozone and NAD and mitochondria. So I want to really get deep into this with you. So welcome, Dave. Mark, I, I love getting to hang out with you and spend time with you. And uh, that was an amazing introduction. So I, I, I learned an equal amount from you. All right, here we go. So, um, you know, when, when I uh, learned about aging, it just seemed like this inevitable process of disease. And what I learned very early on in functional medicine was that getting older is inevitable but aging is not necessarily inevitable. Yep. That what we think of as aging, as normal aging in our society, is the result of abnormal aging. And I recently did my telomeres. I'm gonna be 60 this year. And in my telomeres, I'm 39, which is pretty awesome. And biologically, I'm younger because I do the things I 
need to do to take care of myself. So, you know, I'm six years old, but I'm water skiing, I'm climbing up mountains, I'm doing all kinds of stuff that I was doing in my 20s and 30s and feel fine. So I think, I think it's really an interesting question about what are those things that cause us to see this abnormal aging? You call them the four killers. So what are those four killers that will most likely kill us as we age? It turns out this is going to be really amazing uh, for a, a, a director of functional medicine at the Cleveland Clinic kind of guy. But the first thing you do if you want to live a long time is don't die. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of obvious. But if you're an average person, and by the way, you're not average if you're listening to this episode because you have all the access to the knowledge of doctor's pharmacy, which is really a game-changing thing for you. But something's going to kill you. In fact, let's play the odds. It's probably heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or Alzheimer's disease. In fact, those add up to somewhere around 80% of the likelihood of things that are going to get you. So what if you could cut the odds of those happening to you radically? Well, a couple of things would happen. One, you'd have a higher quality of life, however long it was. So that picture of aging that we all have, which involves wheelchairs, diapers, not, <laughs> not knowing your own name, tubes, like it's a pretty horrific horror movie sort of picture that most people have. And that's why depends. they say, I, it depends, right? <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't want to live that long. But what if, what if when you were 100, you felt like you did now, you looked like you did now. A few more wrinkles, maybe. A few, a few more wrinkles, but you would also have a few more decades of wisdom. And I think we have an epidemic of, of absence right now because throughout all of history, when you aged, you were venerated and you were the village elder. People came to you for advice because you probably went through it before. Now they stick you in a nursing home. Well, well not only that, you're probably, you don't remember a lot of this because your brain is fried by eating bad fats and grains and not taking care of yourself. It's not that you did that on purpose. It's because we built a food system that does that to you. Yeah. So what if you had this picture of being fully independent and full of energy and able to share knowledge and give back and get to know your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, and just be of service to your community. And at that point, suddenly aging is different. And there's nothing that says, you know, I'm 142 and I've done everything I came here to do and it's time for me to go. Fine. But at <laughs> least my real goal, Mark, <laughs> I would like to die at a time and by a method of my choosing. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Right. And if you want it to not be up to you, you're like, oh, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> okay. Well, there you kind of did something wrong. Or even, even worse, I'm dying of whatever disease. Right. And you could have done something that didn't cost you a penny that didn't, it wasn't unpleasant. You just didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's those things that I'm looking to change. Yeah. It's so powerful. So, so in the science of aging, we know a lot now. We know a lot about what causes aging. We know a lot about the mechanisms and in functional medicine, you know, there are fundamental laws of nature that we follow in order to create vibrant health. And there are systems in the body that are all networked together that determine the quality of your health or will determine disease. And, and two of those, well, many of them, all of them, in fact, are connected, whether it's the microbiome or your hormones or, or your uh, detoxification system. But two of the central features of aging are inflammation, it's could be called inflammaging, right? And the mitochondria, which for those listening, 
those are the little powerhouses of your cells that produce energy. When you eat and you breathe, you basically combust them like in an engine and these mm -hmm. little, little tiny things inside your cells that produce energy in the form of ATP. That is the central quality of your health, which is the quality of your mitochondria, the quality of your health depends on the quality of your energy. And so those two things are things you have written a lot about. Yeah. And you know a lot about, and we know a lot about what makes those systems go awry and how to fix them. So can you talk a little bit about that? Diabetes is a disease where your cells can't use food in the form of glucose <laughs> and air to make energy. It's a mitochondrial dysfunction, a metabolic dysfunction disease. And that disease raises your risk of cancer <laughs> and heart disease and Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, four so, times the risk if you have diabetes that you're gonna get dementia. Exactly. So could it be that all four of the killers are all tied to metabolic dysfunction, which is tied to mitochondrial performance? It turns out it is. It also turns out that your body has all these amazing repair systems that you can turn on that have been there always that are probably not turned on. And every one of those repair systems is dependent on functioning mitochondria. Yeah. So when we look at these seven pillars of aging, one of the first ones is mitochondrial mutations. So these mitochondria, they're ancient bacteria that are a part of our cells now. They but, look like little bacteria yeah. if you look at them on a microscope. And they have their own DNA that's bacterial DNA. And, and so they're, you could say that, oh, we harnessed them. But from their perspective, like we found these mobile Petri dishes that walk around and do stuff and <laughs> we're the puppet masters. And if we don't like what's going on, we just make less energy and then they feel crappy and then they do what we want. So literally they're driving a lot of the, the, the reason that you just unconsciously reach for the cigarette or you reach for the donut, it's because your mitochondria are saying, I need food right now. And they're talking to you and then you find the donut in your hand or you told yourself you weren't going to smoke today and you did. Who's pulling the puppet strings? Those yeah. little bastards are. So, <laughs> Yeah, let's they, get those. No, we don't want to get them. We want to help them. <laughs> you do want to help them because when they're happy, you're happy. And that includes eating the right stuff. It includes sleep, all, all the, the good stuff that, that you talk about on your show, Mark. However, they mutate relatively easily. So They're easily damaged. Yeah, right? They're easily damaged. And your job is to teach your body, you know, if one of them is damaged or slow, kill it all the way and replace it with a fresh young one because we have that ability. But if you eat too much, eat too often, eat the wrong things, don't do the other things that don't cost much, if anything, then the systems like that- Like exercise and sleep and- Yeah, you know, th relax. things like that, yeah. Uh, really basic stuff, to be honest. But if you do them at the right time or in the right way with a little bit of structure around them, what happens is the old, weak mitochondria get out of the way and make, make space for young ones. And when that happens, all of the other repair systems can turn on. And there's other things you can do. People don't know this, but we have something called zombie cells that I write about in Superhuman. And what a zombie cell is, is a cell just like a, a real zombie. It sits there and it's not dead really, but it's not alive not really either. <laughs> <laughs> and it sits there, makes free radicals, it takes up space and it does nothing good for you, but it it adds to your metabolic burden. Mm. Uh, so what do you do? Well, these are called senescent cells in the aging field. And there are things you can do to encourage your body to get rid of senescent cells. And they range from something like- hire Pac-Man to come and clean them up. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We, we have little robots that come in and, and there are people actually want to make little <laughs> nanobots and stuff unnecessary. It, the body is such a beautiful, elegant thing. It wants to live a long time. It wants to repair itself, but it, it's, it's going to make a decision. Let's see, donut? 
self-repair. And if you let the body decide without intervening, it's going to pick the donut every single time. You know why? Because throughout all of human history, there have been regular famines. And if there's a donut, it's a good idea to eat it in case there isn't a donut tomorrow. That's and right. you know better. We all know better. Yeah, but we evolved in an era yeah. where there wasn't Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts totally. in every corner. So, <laughs> yeah, And our cells don't know that, though. They're still stuck in that. So they will self-sacrifice. They'll turn off their ability to, to save energy to take care of themselves for the donut. So this is just about knowing, oh, if I brush my teeth, I'm better off. I don't get cavities. Mm -hmm. There are basic metabolic maintenance things that I read about in Superhuman that we haven't been taught to do. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, when, when we look at all the things we do know about aging, right, and, and all the interventions that seem to turn off aging and turn on youthing, let's call it. <laughs> she wrote a book called Youthing. That's youthing. a great name. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's fascinating. And, it, and it's um, the, the things that are showing up in the science now whether it's calorie restriction. I mean, the only thing that's been shown to increase longevity reliably in animal models is restricting calories. You eat less by a third, you live a third longer, but you're miserable. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. I don't want to do that. <laughs> then, there's, then there's what we call intermittent fasting, yep. which most people mean by that time-restricted eating where you eat in an eight-hour window. And then there's true intermittent fasting, which maybe you fast a day or two a week. And then there's fasting mimicking diets and there's ketogenic diets. Yeah. All those activate the same thing, which is this process of self-repair and healing that is a natural thing that our body does, but that we interfere with all the time by just eating all the time and eating all the wrong foods all the time. Yes. And, and your book really goes into how do we reverse that process? How do we understand what harms the mitochondria, what causes inflammation, how do we shift that? So let's talk more about these cellular aging forms that cellular aging processes that drive disease and that you talk about as being the cause of aging. So these seven pillars of aging. You mentioned the zombie cells. Well, let's, let's go through the other ones. Another one that's really interesting is called cellular straitjackets in superhuman. And people have usually by now heard of something called amyloid plaque, or usually it's beta amyloid plaque because people say, oh, that's what causes Alzheimer's disease. It's actually not what causes Alzheimer's disease. It's a symptom of it. But right. it turns out amyloid throughout the body forms and is a contributing cause of aging. So if you were to say, oh, I fixed my mitochondria, but I have amyloid everywhere, you're still going to show signs of aging. You're not going to have maintained your youthfulness. That's why there's these seven what pillars that support it? you. It turns out inflammation causes it. It's the equivalent of having a callus or a scar over time. So amyloid plaque in the brain, chronic brain inflammation, which is caused by mitochondrial dysfunction <laughs> in yep. the brain. But you can have this in your bicep. You can have this in your, in, in your endothelial cells. It can happen throughout the body and it builds up over time. So when you start saying, I'm gonna live twice as long as mother nature wants, you're going to have to do something about this. Otherwise half your body is gonna be amyloid plaque and you're gonna be walking around like a piece of bamboo, not like a flexible human. So how do you get rid of this bamboo? <laughs> Well, <laughs> there are a variety of new enzyme formulas that are just about to come on the market that scientists have been working on in the anti-aging field that can break these down. In the meantime, though, how about this? What if you actually didn't build them up because you addressed inflammation? Yeah. Right? Okay, what causes inflammation? Well, what causes inflammation... How do you get rid of it? <laughs> every single time there's inflammation, it is ultimately coming from your mitochondria. And there are things that signal inflammation to happen in the body and things called inflammatory cytokines. So one of the things you do is you find the habits you have every day that trigger inflammation and you stop doing them. Like? Like eating grain, eating bad fats, eating anything fried in any oil. 
sugar. Oh, no, sugar's good for you. I'm eating. <laughs> all right. I think this no. podcast is over now. <laughs> it's actually a gluten deficiency that we're all suffering from, Mark. No. Gluten deficiency, <laughs> lack of sugar, um, not enough ice cream. I think that's the key to everything. It, it, turns, it turns out if someone was to have three grams of sugar with their meal, if they have a healthy metabolism, it it's will fine. do nothing to them. But three grams of an inflammatory oil, a damaged oil, what does three grams of fish oil do to you? It, a lot. A lot. What is three grams of highly oxidized fried oil going to do? The, it's going to do a lot in the wrong direction. Yeah. So it turns out sugar, if you're on a high sugar diet, especially liquid sugar, it is going to wreck your gut bacteria and gut bacteria are a part of the aging puzzle. So I would say though, bad fats are more dangerous than sugar and you don't want to eat either one of them. But you know, if there's a, a teaspoon of sugar in a normal meal on occasion, yeah. It, well, it, it's a lesser evil. Yeah, it's not that. It's, yeah. it's the pharmacologic doses that oh. we eat of, you know, 150 pounds a year per person. It, it, That's it, the it's, problem. It's, it's not the, horrifying, right? It's not the sugar you put in your food. It's the sugar added by all these companies. You, that you're you're 100% food. correct. And there are a group of people say, if you eat a single carb, you're a bad person. I, I call them the keto bros or dirty keto. And what's going on there? Okay, it turns out your the gut- keto mafia? Yeah, oh, good one. Uh, your your gut bacteria, they must have soluble fiber, which is a carb. Yes. Like I manufacture soluble fiber. I intentionally put it in my body. I, in, in the book, I actually talk about the number of gut bacteria species that I had. It was 48 because I travel 150 days of the year. I cannot eat enough vegetables at restaurants. It's hard, so, right? Well, I quadrupled it. I put two scoops of the inner fuel, a prebiotic mix of plant fibers, and I put it in my coffee and now I'm at 196 species. Right. And I didn't have to eat kale. I didn't have to smell kale. <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, it, are it, we on an anti-kale kick now? Absolutely. <laughs> kale is bad. Uh, but what what's going on around this inflammation in our cells that causes these cellular straitjackets is look, if you eat some fried stuff, oh I just it's a special treat. I just eat it a couple times a week. It it constantly grates on your system. It's gonna take four days to get rid of all the inflammatory yeah. compounds from that. And you do that for twenty years. And all of a sudden, your cells are walking around with less flexibility and way more amyloid we than are. they We're should. We are eating a inflammatory, mitochondrial damaging diet. Yep, it is our main diet, and it is what we talk about all the time. It's, it's, it's something that is just so pervasive, and that it unfortunately is so easy to get. Oh yeah. Whereas, like you said, you're on the road. It's hard to get vegetables. I literally go to a restaurant when I'm traveling. I'll say, "Can I please have three sides of vegetables?" <laughs> you know, like, and you know what comes. Four. Four string beans. Yeah, four string beans, and they're all deep fried in like some kind oh of God. batter. The worst was when I was in Des Moines, Iowa, doing a public television show. And and I was like, in the hotel, I wanted some food. I'm like, all right, well, can I get some vegetables? Because I'm like, well, we have green beans. And I'm like, okay. So they brought green beans, and they, they were canned green beans. So they were soggy and gross. And they were covered with this brown sugar gravy, oh. like like a soup of gravy over the green beans. And that was the vegetables in wow. Iowa. <laughs> Did you wash them off with Coca-Cola? I just didn't know what to do. I was like, I was like, oh, what a vegetable. <laughs> it was terrible. But I said, I said, okay, is there a Chinese restaurant around here? And then there was. And I went there and they actually had a lot of veggies. So. As long as they're steamed. A lot of times you go to a Chinese restaurant, they fry a lot of and food. funky oils. Yeah. So you get the funky oil. The and, steamed broccoli, and, right. And Chinese people might, broccoli. might say... Dave, you and Mark, you are so extreme. picky and extreme. But here's the deal. If you eat no fried food 
for the next two weeks and you look at your skin and you look at how you feel when you wake up and you look at your grip strength and you look at every single metric about how good you're doing, you will improve. So, but I like fried food. Look, look you can also say, I like heroin. I don't care. Don't use it. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you yeah, like it. It's, it it's just not okay. It's true. And my kids know that. And I've taken my kids out and said, all right, let's go eat serious junk so, right, so they can feel it. All right, so we've talked about the mitochondrial mutations. We've talked about the cellular straitjackets. We've talked about the zombie cells. Uh, let's, let's talk about age. Yeah. Advanced glycation end products. It turns out two of the other pillars of aging are buildup of extracellular and intracellular junk. It turns out inside your cells, there are some compounds that your cells are, are supposed to be able to burn up and get out. So every cell has something called a lysosome inside it, and its job is to burn up extra protein and use it for energy so that you can break it down into its components and get rid of it. But we eat things, and we sometimes over time generate things in our bodies that our lysosomes can't break down. It's sort of like you have an incinerator um, at, the, at the dump, but you stick enough things in there that won't burn, it can't function anymore. Yeah. And then you get a big pile of stuff at the dump. So what do we do about that? Well, the easiest thing is make sure that you eat less of the things that cause those things to, to back up. You know, they're called ages, advanced glycation and products. It's sort of like, you know, the crust on a bread or the crispy yes. skin on chicken. It's like the creme brulee, that crispy thing. That's basically proteins and sugars forming a compound that accelerates aging. It's literally called ages. Yeah. <laughs> and they bind to receptors called rages. <laughs> Receptors you can't make this up. <laughs> advanced glycation influx. It's basically sugar and protein combined together that create this massive inflammatory response and oxidative stress, which then damages your mitochondria and creates this vicious cycle of aging and disease. You nailed it. Um, it's funny. When I wrote the Bulletproof Diet, which came out in 2014, but it was based on about a decade worth of experiments before that, I wrote, you don't want to eat ages advanced glycation end products because I could feel the difference in my inflammation when I ate them I knew that they weren't good because I was fat and old when I was young so I, I reversed that but I'm a good canary uh, and I cited a couple studies but we also make advanced glycation end products in our bodies when we eat sugar yeah so you eat these huge doses of sugar the sugar courses through your body looking for proteins to stick to and it will do that but in in Superhuman, I cite new research where we talk about the effects of eating advanced glycation end products versus making them on You know doors. the best way to eat them? Microwave your food. Oh, microwave <laughs> your food and eat caramel, which is pretty much solid advanced glycation end products. Caramel? Oh, my God. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Sorry. Caramel is my favorite. It's so good, but you're uh, taking milk and sugar and uh, just cooking and cooking and cooking uh, and cooking until it's a brown sticky. My life, Dave Asprey. <laughs> you can make caramel that tastes the same out of plants. It, it, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I got it. And okay, burned no meat caramel. is a really big thing when you burned barbecue meat. it. So what well, these are, the, these burned back... vegetables. You're like, oh, grilling yes, meat. Burned vegetables. Grilling, Thank grilling you. your vegetables does the same thing as grilling yeah. meat. It creates the same toxic chemicals. I go to restaurants to say I like a plate of broccoli and they bring me a, pl a plate of blackened broccoli. Like you ruined it. Right? You, you don't do that. So less stripes and less charring. I go to a place I only eat grass fed uh, pastured animals or I don't eat it. Eating industrially raised antibiotic corn and soy fed animals is a great way to age quickly. But I'll go there and I'll say, please don't char my steak. Like cook it gently. I still want to meet him rare. Low cooked meats. Yeah. Dutch oven's my new favorite thing. So good. You put the yeah. stuff in there, you put some vegetables and tomato sauce, whatever, you put it in the oven for three hours, 
come back and it's like magic. And it's, it's done. Like Julia Child, it comes out. It's like, it's ready. <laughs> I, I do a lot of something called sous vide because I'm lazy. So you, you Ziploc your, your steak or whatever in a thing, put it in a water broth with a little temperature thingy. And you come back 24 hours later and no matter what cut of meat it is, it's perfectly tender and medium rare and, and it takes almost no work. Yeah. And so wait, did I save time and get a higher quality food that tasted good? Because here's the deal. In Superhuman, in the Bulletproof Diet, in your work, we are talking about eating foods that are more satisfying, more delicious, and more tasty uh, to the point that if someone puts a piece of, you know, in, in big, big pharma or big food birthday cake from some commercial bakery versus something that you would recommend or I would recommend, yeah. you'll look at that and you'll say, that one's pretty, but I want to eat the thing that tastes really good and nourishing and satisfying, and your body will actually guide you to the good stuff. Yeah, you know, I've noticed that. I mean, over the years, you know, I used to eat more junk and crap when I was younger. Yeah. And now if I like walk through like, you know, a Starbucks case full of all this stuff or I go in some restaurant, I, it doesn't look like food to me. Yeah. It's like, why would I eat that? It's like a rock. Like I'm not gonna eat a rock or a piece <laughs> of wood, but like I, I yes. it doesn't actually look like food to me anymore. And I don't crave yeah. it, I don't want it. It's not like I'm depriving myself. I just literally don't actually have an interest in it and it doesn't actually look appealing to me and it doesn't even I don't even think it'll taste good and when I if I do taste it it's like ugh and why would I eat that I I'm with you there and people think it's a little bit crazy cuz I remember when I weighed 300 pounds I would have the worst cravings and, and you'd see those those scones or whatever in the the case at the coffee shop and you're like oh I really want that and you walk past it, it would just call to you those are your damaged mitochondria desperate for energy going you know please please eat that please eat that and it's same thing now in my pattern matching system, those don't register as food anymore because they're actually not food for humans. Right. And now that my pattern matching system is right, I just, like, like you said, if it could be a rock, it could be a cactus, but you wouldn't put it in your mouth. Right. So therefore the willpower it takes to do it is no gone. Will, it's not like, I don't, it's not a willpower thing anymore. Once you, not at all. Once you rewire your hormones and rewire your brain chemistry, your body will actually want the right stuff. It actually will like it. Now, here's the thing. You have a kind of outrageous claim. You're kind of an outrageous guy. Okay, and, let's talk and, about why that's not outrageous. And, <laughs> and your outrageous claim is you want to live to be 180. Yeah. Now, I don't think, well, maybe Methuselah, but maybe some guy who no birth certificates that claims he lived to be 180. I don't know. But but you don't want to really just live that long. You want to have a great life. You want to have better sex, super brain power. You want to not oh, yeah. get sick. So tell us your secret plan, which is not so secret because you wrote about it in Superhuman, for aging backwards that will add more years to your life and more life to your years. All right. I'm I want to know. You that. I'm taking notes. First, I'm going to tell you why 180 is a real number, and then I'm going to tell you that. Okay, okay. Because okay, I'm buzzing your job, but I, I'm like curious. I'm like, all right, okay. Okay. So then all your, well, you better live that long. Cause then at least I have one friend. Yeah, totally. We'll, we'll be hanging out. <laughs> we're going to be dead. We're gonna, like, just going to be you and me. <laughs> I don't think it's going to end up like that. A lot of people <laughs> listening to the show are going to live decades longer than they think. Yeah. And I want you to, to go back a hundred years, Mark. Okay. If, if you're going to live to 150, you've got 90 more years. If I lived 180, I've got 136 more years, but let's go back a hundred years. Here's 1919. World war one is ending where many of the battles are fought on horseback. <laughs> yeah. Look at where technology has taken us today. And you yeah, look... Yeah, look at it. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you look in 1950, mm. end of World War II. If you were the president of the U.S. and you wanted some research done, 
there were massive armies of people with card catalogs who'd go out and do research, and six months later, they'd do something. You and me and everyone listening to your show today can go online for free in half a second and search PubMed, which is pretty much all of the medical knowledge that we have. Yeah, all the scientific papers. Okay. You and I had to do microfish. Half the people listening don't know what a microfish is. Right. This is, by the way, it's like a photocopy on a tiny little piece of transparent plastic. And you go to the library and check one out in an envelope and put it on a weird little viewer screen that would amplify it. I'm not even making this up. No, this no, is I a real thing. Remember oh, you remember, remember it. And then you'd fax it to someone, too. Right. Like, like that, was, that was actually before fax. That was way before fax. Right. But but all of these things have happened. And by the way, a fax machine is one of those things you put paper in and it transmits it. In a weird way that comes out on the other end with a piece of paper. It's like kind of an old technology. Let's see if some people don't know what a fax is anymore. <laughs> but I asked someone to fax me something. They'd be like, fax? What? They still do fax? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they still do. For medical stuff. <laughs> oh, because somehow it's more right? private or yeah, something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, I, I, I look at all this and you say, okay. Uh, you've had Dr. David Sinclair on the show. Um, he's He's been on my show. I write about his research in the book. And there are dozens of other people that you and I both know who have spent decades working on aging on different facets on each of these seven pillars. And they're saying our work has borne fruit. So my supposition is really straightforward. If we know that the oldest person alive today is 120. 22. Yep, give or take. Madame Clement. There you go. Although she might have filled in for her mom. There's there's a new accusation about that. <gasps> oh, you think she was a, a con? As a matter of fact, do you know the single biggest predictor of whether an area is a blue zone or not? Uh, lack of birth certificates? Yes. <laughs> it's poor economy, lack of education, and lack of birth certificates. I'm not joking. I, Very strong statistical correlation. So th there are a few people who are only half as old as they say they are, or probably 20 years younger because you know, yeah. their mom had them. And you know, uh, So that's not to say there isn't fraud there. But if you look back through recorded history, I have a book I sit on my bedside table from the grandson of the caretaker of an Indian guy who was said to be 185. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff in this book. I don't know if this is real. The guy died in whatever, 1930s. But you look back through all of the different uh, historical texts, uh, things like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, there is talk and there is research about long-lived people, exceptionally long-lived. I mean, I mean, at the turn of the century, the longest-lived people on the planet were the Plains Indians. They had the most centenarians of any population. Interesting. All I didn't know that. They ate was buffalo and a well, few berries and whatever else. Grass-fed buffalo hump, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, it's true. With buffalo, the most precious part was the fatty hump on the back. Mm -hmm. And that would go, that and the liver, it would go to the chief and the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same way with the ancient uh, Mayans. The ruling class would have fish run in 200 miles from the coast so they could eat fish and they give corn to the slaves. Mm. Right. And it's still that you way. You have to today. run pretty fast so the fish wouldn't rot. Uh, I think they had like multiple handoffs and like it might have been Pony smoked. Express for fish? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The Fish Express? <laughs> the Sardine Express? <laughs> and, and plus their runners were fast, I think. But it's, it, it's, it's just fascinating to me that if we can't do 50% better than our best today in the next 100 years, given the amazing technology and the research of people that you and I know, it's because an asteroid hit the planet. And then my 180 number might not be any good. So, so what are those strategies? Yeah. You know, so, so here, what are the what are those things? That add here's more the years biggest to life one. Life two years. If you were to one day a week simply not eat, 
it would change your life in the most dramatic way. The data behind fasting is so strong, but but most people listening have the same mindset I did when I weighed 300, 300 pounds. It's like this. If I don't eat six times a day, my body will go into starvation mode and then I'll gain weight. And also I'll want to kill people because I can't stand not eating for that amount of time. I feel like I'm going to die. And when you build metabolic flexibility, when you use the the tips that are in here in Superhuman, it turns out you can modulate a hormone called CCK and another one called ghrelin. CCK is the hormone that makes you feel full and ghrelin is the one that makes you feel hungry. And if you've been on a low fat, low calorie or vegan diet, your hunger levels will still be set to the highest weight, body weight that you've recently had. So if you went from 300 pounds to 250 pounds, you will have the chronic hunger of a 300 pound person and you will lose, the hunger will win. And that's why I actually lost way more than 100 pounds because you lose 20, gain 30, lose 30, gain 40, lose 40, gain 50, and you yo-yo. Everyone who's been fat knows what I'm talking about. You have yeah. like fat pants in your closet. I don't own fat pants anymore. They're gone. <laughs> like like I, I don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. anymore. But it took a long time and a lot of research to get there. So. What but you're you, saying, you can fix that. Uh, you can fix that. And the now way you're whatever you are, and you're not you're not hungry yeah. like a 300 pound person. No, you can reset your fat hunger point, and it, it, the way you do that is you get ketones present. And you could do this by not eating. You could do this by putting brain octane in your bulletproof coffee. Yeah, that's right? what always troubles me. You know, when, we, when the obesity experts talk about the body's set point. It, I mean, nobody's set point was 400 pounds. Yeah. I mean, the, the historically, data, it doesn't make sense to me. Your set point is changed based on your metabolism and what you've eaten and your weight, and it can be unchanged. And this crazy thing that we don't talk about this more, all it takes is a blood level in ketones of 0.38. And if you're not a keto dieter person, that's it's not gonna mean anything. That's for one of the hormones, for the other one, 0.48. These are mild levels of ketosis. You know how you do that? Don't eat after the sun goes down, don't have breakfast and have a late lunch. And if you do that, you'll probably bump up if you have a healthy metabolism. If you don't, you drink a bulletproof coffee in the morning with brain octane. It'll probably bump your ketones up enough. And all of a sudden, this deep level relaxation happens in your body because now you're not craving food like a fat person. Yeah. You've reset. And these these studies are out there where the levels of ketones are there. So break fast is you know, what you do after you wake up in yeah. the morning. No, no just true. skip when that. I, 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 like, I had dinner, it's finished by six something. And I you know, didn't eat till like 10.30 the next morning. Yeah. And I felt great. And that was like a, you know, 14 hour, whatever, 16 yeah. hour fast. 14 to 16 hours, 18 hours is better. And it's just, it's something that, that I think because of the Great Depression, because there have been times where your grandparents probably starved. Yeah. No matter if you're from Europe or, or the US, uh, different different causes for that. So we just, like, how, how could we go a day without eating? Here's the deal. You'll live a lot longer and be a lot healthier if you do that. But, but the, all the, these techniques, whether it's ketogenic diets, whether it's time-restricted eating or low-calorie eating for a week or the fasting mimicking diet or just an actual fast for a day a week, yep. all they activate all the same thing. They all reduce inflammation. They increase your antioxidant mm-hmm. enzymes. They increase your stem cells. They increase your mitochondrial repair and yes. cleaning up your mitochondrial function. They increase your bone density, increase your muscle mass, improve your cognitive function. I mean, it's it's like a miracle, really. The returns are so high. And you'll see in your muffin top the next day, you look down and like, wow, like my, I, I have different curves than I used yeah. to, or maybe I don't have a curve where I didn't want one. But you see it very dramatically, and you feel a, a new zest for life when you do this. And the first time you do it, you'll probably feel like crap, which is why, the stuff I write about. Here's how to not feel crappy the first time you do it. 
But if you do this every now and then even, you build what I'm calling metabolic flexibility. And in my case, um, I was at high risk for stroke and heart attack before I was 30. I was pre-diabetic. I had arthritis in my knees since I was 14. So I had all these fun diseases of aging. Yeah, we should try to get up a picture on the podcast of oh, yeah, Dave have, when he was before. I have <laughs> That's fat impressive. pictures. My, my favorite fat pictures from Entrepreneur Magazine. I'm yeah. like 280 pounds and I'm this 23-year-old. I'm the first guy to sell anything over the internet before anyone knew what the internet was. Uh, and I think I have pimples, but, uh, you were selling t-shirts. Yeah. That's my, that's my proof of fat picture. <laughs> um, but there's, there's so much that happens around the psychology and emotion of this, but, but all you have to do is do it once and the next day go, wow, that was a little hard and I, I feel better. But if you do it the right way, the first day, it turns out the amount of caffeine in two small cups of coffee will double your ketone production. Yep. Adding brain octane to your bulletproof coffee or to whatever the heck you're having will increase your ketones. So if you can just get your levels up enough, normally it's four days of fasting in order to do that, or you have to eat you know, the bacon only There's zero carb diet. So, but these are just things to reduce your suffering as you learn to do this. But where my meta metabolism is now, Mark, I am perfectly insulin sensitive. There's a scale that goes from one to 160. I'm, I scored one and my glucose tolerance is high. In other words, I can eat sugar better than most people. I just don't. Right. And I can metabolize fat as well as anyone else. And I do that mostly. And because I move in and out of ketosis, I've built flexibility. Yeah. So some of the other things that are going to make you live longer, it turns out running marathons isn't going to make you live yeah. longer. <laughs> no, not on my list. Uh, but regular exercises and we've been completely deceived you know the ten thousand steps a day metric you know where that came from uh no actually uh and it turns out in the late 1950s a japanese company and actually named them in the book they came up with the first pedometer you put on your belt a little mechanical thing that would click every time you took a step and they just decided 10,000 was a good number. <laughs> and so they popularized it. And to this it's, day, we make trackers. Like I was CTO of a risk tracking right. company. And the data there, there's no data for that. It turns out that you need to move for 20 minutes a day. Just walk. right? And you could do yoga. You could do whole body vibration. You could do all sorts of whatevers. But just moving around for 20 minutes a day. And then once or maybe twice a week, lift something really heavy or do something that makes you pretty much want to throw up like really fast sprint and then stop but do it twice that's all it is just to raise your heart rate and get it back down quickly those two things are going to create the stimulus you need because one of the things that hits us as we age those throw up training is what you uh, want pretty to pretty much uh, <laughs> they, they call it high intensity interval training but look lifting something really heavy until you can't lift it it sucks and when you're done you're, you're yeah i can't pants. i don't think i don't know how people like that no like, it, it i doesn't like going feel for a bike ride but like i started weight training yeah. recently i'm like I need this big guy kind of encouraging me because otherwise I wouldn't do it on my own. Yeah. Like I kind of wimp out. I'm like, all right, I did three. It's fine. No, he's like, do 12. I'm like, okay. And it's that and then, pushing yourself you to the limit yeah. that, that, that makes the yeah. difference. And yeah, get help doing that. But we're talking 15 minutes of pain once a week. Yeah. And compared to an hour of going to the spin class every day, that actually isn't going to help you age less. In fact, you might wear out your hips that way. Yeah. So you save time and you got more anti-aging yeah. benefits. And if you go for a walk with a loved one, well, did you actually get that time back anyway? You did. Yeah. So now you're exercising more intelligently. And speaking of this occasionally lifting something heavy, one of the other seven pillars of aging is actually just tissue loss. 
it turns out as we age, muscle our, loss. Yeah, muscle loss, but also skin. In the book, I talk about collagen very specifically. You know, Bulletproof is one of the reasons everyone's putting collagen protein in everything because I, I started writing about it and talking about it about a decade ago, and it's it's entered. Oh, this actually matters. Your skin is made of collagen. Collagen is the the fascia that holds your muscles. It's the matrix for your bones. It's terribly important. But your ability to make collagen goes down over time. That's why you have thin skin as you age. It turns out there's things you can do that increase thickness of your collagen. In fact, so you're gonna help me with my wrinkles. I'm gonna help you with your wrinkles, but <laughs> not just wrinkles. We're talking about the thickness of your skin which is really important because along with muscle wasting, sarcopenia, which is a problem for older people, you also get just thinning of all tissues in yeah. the body. Yeah, I remember my mother's skin used to just fall off, like she would touch herself and like it would rip. It would tear, yeah. yeah. Well, you can change the rate of collagen deposition by using light therapy, by getting some sunlight but not too much, by eating more collagen, and by doing less things that prevent the breakdown of collagen. Like? Like, or you could make sure you have enough vitamin C, don't eat bad fats. <laughs> the usual. <laughs> the usual. It turns out so many of the basic habits we're talking about support the reversal of aging. But then it comes down to something like stem cell exhaustion, which is part of this, uh, this tissue thing. So you, you reduce the loss of tissues, you increase the turnover rate of tissues, and then you say, well, what do I do about stem cells? Because you run out of stem cells as you age. So in Superhuman, I talk about how I've done um, probably the most extensive stem cell treatment done on one person at one time, where I had three doctors working on me for four hours. The total body makeover? Yeah, the, the stem cell total body makeover uh, with uh, Dr. Harry Adelson. Yeah. And uh, this isn't something most of us are ever going to do. Frankly, it was kind of painful. However, <laughs> I'm looking to live to 180, and I would like, you know, I'm almost 50, uh, and I'd like my body to remain youthful and to have those reserves of stem cells and to go through and, and fix old injuries. So that's what I did. And I talk about that, but I also talk about things you can do to make sure that you have adequate stem cell reserves. And it turns out, Mark, it's the same stuff. Right. Maybe sometimes you should try some intermittent fasting. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't eat bad fats. Maybe you should right? exercise. Don't eat grains. And those things are shown in studies to improve stem cells. But one of the things we haven't hit on too much, but you talked about in the introduction, is sleep. Yeah. And if you want more stem cells, more growth hormone, all the good stuff, you've got to sleep. So I was looking at my, my sleep score for last night. You have the aura ring? I have the aura ring. Okay. Oh, do you have one too? I got one too. So I've, I've been a, an advisor to the company for a while because I was CTO of another risk tracking company called mm, Basis a while mm, back. So I really know this space well. Mm. The ring is ridiculous. But I, I looked at my sleep score last night. I slept, uh, let's see, six hours and 50 minutes. But I got two hours and 50 minutes of REM and an hour and 19 minutes of deep sleep in a hotel when I landed at night. Impressive. So this is impressive. This is let's more. See, what was mine? Oh, yeah. Oh, let's compare sleep. Let's see mine. Okay. So mine. Uh, wait, that's Uber. I don't want the Uber app. <laughs> wait. Uh. As you're looking it up, it turns out as you age, your amount of deep sleep and REM sleep goes down predictably unless you do something about it. So I'm getting so more sleep than a 20 year old. I got a, I was in bed for eight and a half hours. I slept seven hours and 15 minutes. I had a 91 sleep score. Nice. Uh, my total sleep was seven hours and 50 minutes, but uh, an hour and a half of REM, uh, deep sleep was 54. Latency was 13 minutes, which means that's how long to make it to sleep. But I had restfulness. I was tossing around. 
Because uh, I was, I was, you know, I'm traveling, so I'm in California. I'm staying in a friend's house. I'm in their bed. Right. I'm going to bed late, like I'm on the East Coast, like ten o'clock. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't as good as I'd like, but it's still yesterday. Pretty, still yesterday, pretty good. I got ninety two, and I had all, I had all, um, uh, blues, which is no bad thing. So, but it's not always like that. Like you know, it's not. But if you do what it takes to sleep better, and I talk mm. about sleep in the book, it's been a big theme for me because frankly, I was really bad at sleeping, and I never wanted to sleep because it seemed like such a waste of time. Oh yeah, uh, and now look, if you sleep six and a half hours a night. Well, you're in the group of people who lives the longest. Six and a half? Believe it or not, the most granular study ever done of 1.2 million people. I more than that. It's okay. It's just that people who need more than six and a half hours of sleep die more often than people who need six and a half hours of sleep. Now you're making me feel really bad. <laughs> I'm <laughs> never going to make it to 180. Here's, here's the, I need my eight hours. <laughs> here's why that works. Um, people who are healthier need less sleep. Yeah. Right? Or people who sleep better need less sleep. Yeah. So I am very well rested in my six and a half hours of sleep and sometimes less, but I learned to change things that make me sleep like I'm 20 instead so, so, of like I'm So let's I'm just touch 46. on that for a minute. We've had some shows on sleep, but yeah. you know, we talked about food. We talked about the right kind of exercise. We talked about intermittent fasting. We talked about you know, the sleep issue. The, the problem in this country is that most Americans don't sleep well. You know, yep. it's an epidemic of poor sleep. We've reduced our number of hours of sleep over the last hundred years dramatically. We have screens at night. We have, you're wearing the blue blocker glasses right now. It's one of the companies I started called True Dark. Yeah. And it, it matters. The light thing and eating too late are, are the two biggest things for sleep. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, getting healthy sleep is important and it's stress response. So things like meditation really help ramp you down, not drinking too much coffee or not having late. After 2 p.m., don't drink coffee. Don't exercise after dinner. Don't eat late. No, three yeah. hours before bed. The blue blocker glasses. Get off screens. I mean, these techniques really work. They they work in a way that's measurable. And throughout history, you could just wake up and say, do I feel like I slept well? And then you could turn to your spouse and say, did I wake you up with snoring? But my phone tells me it records if I snore. And I don't snore very much anymore because if you eat foods that make you inflamed, you snore a lot. If you eat the right foods, you don't snore. And if you keep snoring, then you get it fixed. And when you go through all this stuff, you realize, wait a minute, I didn't have to spend any more to learn how to sleep well. And it was cheaper to do that than it was to go on growth hormone <laughs> and all of these other things. So sleep is one of the cheapest and most effective ways to literally age backwards by causing your cells to self-repair in a way they wouldn't do if you got exactly the same amount of sleep, but it was bad sleep. So I, I talk about here's what, what different kinds of sleep do for you and here's how to get them. And for me, the the true dark, uh, the patented glasses for sleep that are more than blue blockers, they doubled my deep sleep. And when I use a specific okay. kind of, of mushroom extract before bed, I tripled my REM sleep. That's why my scores were that high. I found out what worked. What kind of mushroom extract? Um, Do tell, Dr. It's Dave. An, it's, an Aus, <laughs> it's an Australian species of uh, lion's mane mushroom. It's a company ah. called Life Cycle makes it. And the guys came on my show and talked about it. And lion's mane is shown in studies to do stuff, but I never felt normal lion's mane when I took it. I, I, there was no difference. This stuff, because of the way it's extracted, I think because of the Australian species, I, my score goes up every single time I take it. So I, I don't travel without it. I always take it. Okay, I'm the Life cycle that. lion's mane, true dark twilight glasses, and you can lower and you the temperature. Do, do the glasses all yeah. the time because you wear them during the day. Do you? Uh, so True Dark makes the ones for jet lag and heavy duty sleep, and I'll wear those for at least a half hour before bed. 
So when I was flying to LA last night, I was on a flight around seven o'clock. So I put on the, the glasses that help your brain know that it's nighttime. So I'm wearing tinted glasses that are in the red spectrum, not just blue blockers. Blue blockers don't do enough for sleep. They help, but they're not enough. And I do that and I feel great. The ones I'm wearing right now, these are the daytime glasses that block 75% of blue light. So we've got bright studio lights. I'm on camera for about 12 hours today. And if I stare at bright lights, especially LED lights, I actually get tired after a while. Your brain gets worn out. I wear these, my eyes are happy, my brain is happy all day long. Let me try those. You sent me some. <laughs> I have them in my house. Oh yeah, it, it actually is you more- my, Do your brain relax? It's, yes, it's interesting. It's like the lights were kind of hurting my brain yeah. and now- Yeah, it, it's I, an unconscious thing. Light creates pressure. Feel, I feel like I got relief, like, yeah. like someone was stepping on my foot and got off. <laughs> But you wouldn't notice that's it if they slowly put pressure on your foot, right? We're in for another couple minutes and just watch what your brain does. That's fascinating. So wow. Here's what's going on. People listening to this, you stare at your screen and you haven't turned it down at least halfway during the day. You start a bright screen on your computer all day long. You're underneath bright LED lights. And at the end of the day, you say, wow, I don't know what's wrong, but I really want a cookie. And I'm yeah. so tired. Okay, so let's, let's recap here because this is really important. One, which glasses should you wear when and okay. for how long and where do you get them? Because right. you talked about two different kinds of glasses. Got it. So TrueDark is the company, TrueDark.com. And just full disclosure, I started the company, I wrote patents for this company because of the light science and eyes. So I'm really into this. It's an important biohack. And at TrueDark, there's something called sunset or twilight. Those are the ones you wear before bed. Those are things that happen at night. And then the day walkers are what you're wearing. So the, and the sunset one is the one that you can- For nighttime. Nighttime yeah. when jet lag and traveling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you do sunsets for nighttime and day walkers for the day. Okay. And you don't have to wear them all the time. We make ones that are less yellow than the ones you're wearing. But the bottom line is, if you want to be awake, alert, and feel like yourself at the end of a day of sitting in bright lights, if you wear glasses, you will feel so different. Oh, I'm so down. This is great. Okay. Well, you're not getting these back, but- <laughs> 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 I already sent you a pair. I know. I got them in my drawer at home. All right. So let's let's go through again. Talk about the different strategies for living to 180. And sleep is key. Blue blocker glasses, all the strategies we talked about. What else? You know, the other thing that is in the book is having uh, connections, having relationships. And it all comes back to those dumb little mitochondria we talked about before. If you're a life form, it doesn't matter if you're a cactus or an amoeba or a human, you run the same order of operations. The first thing is run away from, kill, or hide from scary things. Because if something kills you right now, it's the end of life. Okay, yeah. so that's why we spend so much of our time in anxiety and stress, because our automated systems are looking for something that might be bad for you. Yeah. Okay, and, and this is that we overweight, we over remember the negative things, we don't remember the positive things. The second thing we do, we eat everything. And that's why you keep eating junk food you didn't mean to eat, because your cells are making you do it. The third thing we do is so we have, let's see, we had fear, we had food. The other one's also an F word uh, that involves reproduction. Okay, because all life forms have to reproduce, right? Okay, so if we spend most of our energy doing those things, those are all the things, pretty much everything we've ever been ashamed of has come from one of those categories, right? But is there something else that life does? It's another F word called friend, right? So we are wired in order to do those things. And if you can- Community, connection. It, 
Community connection, have friends special, uh, specialize in something and support the people around you. And it's why we have biofilms on medical implants. It's why yogurt works. It's why you can have kombucha. And so we're wired at a very deep level to have a strong community. And if you want to live a very long time, you look at those four things and yeah. you make sure you don't have too much stress and you don't feel afraid all the time. And sometimes you have to go to a therapist. Like you got to do your personal work on that one. And that's one of the key aspects of the blue zones. Yeah. Yeah, poverty and fraud in birth certificates. <laughs> no, the community. <laughs> the community. I mean. I'm so teasing you. I mean, the whole idea, like in Japan and Okinawa, they have the moais, which is, you know, the parents put together like a group of four or five kids from birth. Mm -hmm. And then they become their community and they go through every stage of life with them. It, isn't that just. It's, it's powerful. Beautiful. I mean, I just had lunch with, with a friend of mine this last weekend. We've been friends for 40 years and we've been through ups and downs, marriage, divorces, deaths. And it's just, you know, very powerful feeling yeah. to be that seen, known, loved, connected. And we have a culture of loneliness. We have a we culture really of isolation. Do. We have a culture where we're so separate from each other, despite, you know, having 5,000 friends on Facebook, we might not have one friend we can call. It, it happens on a, uh, on a regular basis. You want so to live a long time. Cure? Well, the cure for that is actually having friends of different ages. And this goes for everyone listening. If you are 70 and you're looking around going, some of my friends can't go for walks anymore. Some of my friends are dying. You better get yourself some younger friends. Yeah. It's time. Most of my friends are my biological age. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're young, the way you stay young and the way you get ahead is instead of making all the mistakes yourself, ask someone who's already made the mistakes how to not make them. Mm. So your job is to go out and find someone three times your age. That's how I did what I did. Mark, I was 26 years old. I was fat and tired. My brain wasn't working and I, I felt like crap. And I found people who were 80 who had fixed it themselves. And they took me under the wing and taught me this stuff. That's what I'm sharing right now. So you need to find people who are old, the kind of people that you probably, frankly, don't see right yeah. now. Because when people hit a certain age, my parents have told me this. I remember the first time I became invisible. People just didn't look at me. And this is not okay. This is yeah. not how you treat the wise elders of our generation. So get an older friend if you're young, get a younger friend if you're old. And that's one of the simplest things you can do to live longer for both people. What if people are just generally isolated? What do you suggest for them to how to build connections and find friends and... You know, it, it's really such a personal thing, but if you're isolated, it's probably something you're doing and it's probably fear-based. Remember mm. those mitochondria? Things that might be scary, if you were hurt sometime, you are bullied in seventh grade, uh, someone abandoned you when you were young, you'll still be at an unconscious level looking for that in your cells. And so until you do that deep work and just feeling safe and being connected to people, mm. you'll probably create that. Yeah. So a lot of this work is around improve your psychology, improve your emotions. Yeah. But here's the trick. If you want to do that work and your mitochondria can't make enough energy. You're not going to be able to. There's a study now about willpower that proves it. Willpower comes from electrons that comes from mitochondria. So if you want to improve your situation where you have friends and community, deep connections with people who care about you, well, if you're too tired to get out of bed in the morning, you yeah. will not do it. Yeah. So you fix your biology and then you fix your friends. That's great. Okay. Now there's two other big things you talk about in the book, which are kind of novel, a little different. And uh, I have intimate experience with both of them, unfortunately. 
<laughs> which are toxins and ozone. Yes. So let's talk about what you learned about the role of environmental toxins and heavy metals, particularly in aging. And tell us uh, why it's important yeah. and what we should do about it. These are really big topics. When you look at what happens when any animal gets older, they accumulate certain things from the environment over time. And I like to go fishing in Alaska with friends. And if I catch a hundred pound halibut, I'm throwing it back because that's a hundred year old fish full of mercury and nickel and lead and cadmium. And if you catch a young one, then you, it actually has far less toxins. So kids have less toxins, but they're more susceptible to toxins. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what happens as we age, mercury, lead, cadmium, thallium, if you a lot of kale is an, is an emerging big problem. Kale from California. You know, any kale is full of thallium. It, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's the, the world, nature's strongest uh, attractant of that. It's even a detoxifier. Yeah. So, and also arsenic. Arsenic is another big one. Thank you. So if you're going to live to 180, you are going to be full of metals. Metals inhibit mitochondrial function. They lower your testosterone. They cause hair loss. They cause graying and they cause cancer uh, as well as actually a whole bunch of other diseases. So you've got to lower your exposure to them and you have to get rid of them as you live. And there's compounds I write about called chelating agents that you can take with your food. When I eat sushi, you need the fat from fish. <laughs> I take chlorella, which is a Just fractured cell wall. Chlorella will bind to the mercury in the gut, so you poop it out. But chlorella will not pull mercury out of your brain. So what you end up doing is over time, you lower the incidence of metal entering your body and you slowly remove what's in your body. And I, I talk about how to do that in the book. But if you don't know that metals matter and you're just going to so, eat the so swordfish, can you, can you measure how much metals you have in your system? And Yeah, there, there's two ways in superhuman that I write about. The gold standard is you collect urine and see what your body's excreting with or without an agent that may cause you to release more. And then a more common and cheaper way, but less telling, is a hair test. And there's, there's usefulness for both of those, but you can go to a functional medicine doctor and say, I'd like to do a heavy metals test. And they'll usually order a urine test for you. And it's very common to find elevated mercury and lead. Yeah. In fact, if you're over 40, you're probably going to find it. Yeah. So here, here let me just share with you yeah. as a practicing physician who one suffered from mercury poisoning. I had it too. And two have treated literally tens of thousands of people with metal poisoning and have done tens of thousands of tests. And I would say it's probably one of the most ignored yeah. um, and underappreciated causes of chronic disease that doctors don't know how to think about, well test said. or measure. And personally for me, I lived in China and it got huge exposure to mercury. I don't have great genes of detoxifying. And it destroyed every system in my body. Yes. It destroyed my gut. I had diarrhea for years and bloating and pain. It destroyed my mitochondria. I developed chronic fatigue syndrome and it was such an extreme version that my muscle enzymes were high. My CPKs wow. were like 600. My liver was affected. My immune system was affected. I started developing rashes and sores all over. I was completely cognitively impaired. I couldn't focus, think, concentrate, remember where I was, you know, in you're, you're not train in of place. thought. Yeah. This was like, you know, 25 years ago yeah. and I, was so bad and I literally had to become an expert in mercury and heavy metals and detoxification. And I've written a lot about it, but I think, you know, I would say that for many of my patients who suffer from weird or strange ailments, it's right at the top <laughs> of my there. list of things to look at. 
And the only way to really know what your body burden is, you can look at your blood, but that only checks 90 days. I mean, if you're eating a lot of sushi, you'll see it's high, but 90 days you stop, it'll go away. You can look at your urine, but your urine also isn't gonna be high unless there's an current exposure. So if you're in a lead foundry or you're eating tons of sushi, you might see a little bit of mercury. The only way to really look at your body burden is to do a challenge test where you take a pill, it's a chelator, and you collect your urine for six hours. Hair tests also check for fish methylmercury, mm-hmm. which is where we mostly get our, our mercury from, but that, that also will go away if you haven't eaten fish for a while. And then there's another test that looks at the blood work that measures the inorganic mercury, which comes from pollution or from Correct. fillings. And that's called the Quicksilver test. And that that is surprisingly high in people who have a mouthful of fillings. And you can see the difference between fish or 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 uh, a dental mercury. Uh, and the treatments are, depending on the person, you know, can be very aggressive depending on what they need. I have a patient who's got this terrible autoimmune disease and you know, we're giving her intravenous support. Other people can do oral support. There's medications, and but it's it's a, it's a whole process that has to be done safely. And it's, I think your point is really well taken. I think it's an underserved, an underappreciated component of medicine. And I hopefully one day we'll get on board with this because it's just, I mean, it was interesting. There was a, there was a, um, an article in the New York Times that um, I was quoted in, it was based on these special forces. Oh yeah, those guys get led, right? <laughs> yeah, so this guy this guy came to see me whose job was, he was a you know special forces guy who was a blast expert. So oh, they wow. would you know go blow up stuff, you know, blow up doors, blow up this, and they had to train and practice, and they had indoor practice training. Wow. And, and these guys were getting all sick, and now, you know the special forces guys aren't malingerers. They're not whiners. <laughs> no. They're not like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't want to work. Those aren't those guys. These are the guys who, you know, like stay in freezing ice water for an hour and swim, you know, right, like, right. and do 4,000 push-ups and like, you know, yeah. don't sleep for three days. I mean, th- these guys are not whiners. They're superhumans, right? Yeah. And so the guy, the guy came in. I'm like, okay, well, tell me about your job. I'm like, oh, we blow stuff up. We shoot thing. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I said, let's check your heavy metals. And they were sky high. We put him through a whole program. He was, you know, metabolically his system wasn't working. He was overweight. He had prediabetes. He had cognitive dysfunction. He had all these immune issues, gut issues. All got better. And then he started sending all these special forces guys to us. And we started treating them. And they just all got better. And one of them was written about in the New York Times. Wow. Because his, you know, medical crew and everybody dismissed him. And he completely turned around. And the guy who was the lead expert at Mount Sinai who measures bone lead, which is the most yeah. accurate way to measure lead in the body. It's not an easy available commercial test, but it's a very powerful research tool. He said, these guys had really high levels of lead. And he said on the follow-up test, he saw the levels come way down. And he says, he's never seen that in his entire experience. And this is a guy who's an expert in lead. How can you be an expert in lead and not know how to because, employ the body? It drives me nuts. It's not, because <laughs> it's not seen as a problem. Acute poisoning, yes. Chronic poisoning, no. And there's nothing you can quote do about it. It's just nonsense. And there's a, in fact an FDA approved drug called DMSA. Yeah. It's designed for lead removal and actually removes mercury. So I think, you know, for people listening, if you have any strange or weird ailments, if you have anxiety, depression, insomnia, autoimmune disease, gut issues, fatigue, cognitive issues, it may well be heavy metals. And uh, and you need to find a good functional medicine doctor to help you diagnose that. And you go to functionalmedicine.org or ifm.org and you can find a practitioner who may know how to do this. I, I'm gonna go a little bit broader than that. Go. If you are over 50 
and you have not gone through a course of chelation, you are not doing aging right. You have to do this if you are alive in the modern world and you want to live to a highly functional old age. And the reason I say this is that the safe EPA limits for lead used to be 20 parts per million and they cut it. It was 40. It was was 40 to 20 20, (laughs) to 10 10 to five. Five. And now they're finding even down to one, they're seeing cognitive impairment in kids. Cognitive impairment and increased risk of cardiovascular disease. And now the people who are the experts in lead are saying, quote, there is no safe limit of lead. And if you are 40 or 50, you cannot be alive and not have a lead burden in your body. You must remove it. And it's not that hard, especially if you're not really sick. It's not going to be a big deal. And it's so strange, Dave, because medicine just ignores this. But in the journal Circulation, which is one of the (laughs) top cardiology journals, there was a paper a number of years ago that showed that if your lead level was over two, which is, quote, within the normal limits, which, by the way, affects almost 40% of the population has this lead level, that your risk of stroke goes up 89%. The risk of a heart attack goes up 150%. The risk of death goes up from a heart attack 55%. (laughs) And this is more than smoking or cholesterol or like, and it's like, well, why doesn't your cardiologist talk to you about this? Well, you remember those four killers we talked at the beginning of the interview? All of those are tied to metals in the body. Yes, And especially Alzheimer's. can be like arsenic, Alzheimer's, it's nuts. Yeah. And so this is one of those things where if you're, you want to feel good, you do this on a regular basis. So what are the, what are the basic tips if you're not going to get chelated? What are the basic mm-hmm. tips for detoxifying? For detoxifying, yeah. um, not just metals, or you mean metals? No, metals. Like how do you, I mean, how do, or it all works for everything, but how do you? When, one how of my you, favorite compounds is glutathione. And you can increase glutathione levels by increasing vitamin C, by taking N-acetylcysteine. Uh, I manufacture a glutathione pill. You can get intravenous glutathione, Lipoic which- acid. Uh, and you do IV glutathione at your mm. clinics, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, we do it at Upgrade Labs in LA for people to recover better. Um, alpha lipoic acid is another thing. Selenium can help. And- uh, Zinc. Sol- uh, zinc can help. The natural chelator. Uh, cilantro, but- Surprisingly, you want to take cilantro only after you've removed most of the metal from your body because uh, cilantro can actually move uh, heavy metals into the brain because Mm. it's one of the things that can also penetrate the blood barrier. So you go through and you say, you know, I'm just going to build some of these in on a regular basis. And then you need fiber. You need to poop and pee and sweat. Shocking how those work. Um, (laughs) One of the things I write about in here. Triple P therapy, I call it. So there's something called modified citrus pectin where they take the white rind of oranges and lemons and they modify it with an enzyme that is shown to really nicely bind to uh, to all these heavy metals. The problem though, if you start taking large doses of that when you're young, it can actually do bad things to you. So this is something that you might take occasionally when you're young and you might take it more often as you age. Mm-hmm. And in superhuman, there's other stuff, Mark, that people would never know about and probably something that's really interesting. I interviewed Dr. Andrew Newhouse from Vanderbilt University, wrote the first study on nicotine as a way to cure Alzheimer's disease. (laughs) Not smoking, smoking and using tobacco are bad for you, but using oral nicotine, a spray or a gum or a lozenge or a patch. And there is an argument that I make in Superhuman that says, as, as you age, you might want to use one or two milligrams. We're talking like 5% of what's in a cigarette, small amounts of nicotine uh, in order to enhance cognitive function and reduce your risk of Alzheimer's. 
And a lot of you know vaping and smoking also, this is not an argument to do that, but it's to say small amounts of those will improve cognitive function. They feel good and they are probably anti-aging compounds as long as you don't overdo it. So I talk about how would you use that? How would you do that? And not, it's not an excuse to smoke. It's certainly not to vape. It's just looking You have that little science. spray thing you get. Yeah. I was you just trying to spray it under my tongue and get every, me high. Every time you do it, you feel great. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just worried about Alzheimer's, Mark. I mean, you're 60 now. Yeah. I'm old, not worried old, about old you. Alzheimer's disease. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Now, yeah, metals are a real deal. And learning how to detoxify, learning how to upregulate mitochondria and fix them, learning how to cool off inflammation. These are the central strategies around yeah. healthy aging. And then there's other things. There's um, this whole technology that you talk about called ozone, ozone. <laughs> which sounds like weird. We're worried about the ozone layer and aerosol cans. And what do you mean ozone? Ozone is something that most of us know of as, as a pollutant. It turns out though, that it is a free radical. And as long as you don't breathe ozone, ozone is profoundly good for your cells because your mitochondria they look for free radicals and we all say, oh, free radicals, oxidants, these are bad for you. Like, like this, this is a problem. But it turns out if you don't have any free radicals, your mitochondria become lazy and weak. So you can use ozone. You can use it intravenously. You can use it rectally. You can sit in a bag with ozone therapy anywhere from the neck down as long as you don't breathe it. And you can use it vaginally even. And it has profound anti-aging effects. It will wake up bad mitochondria. It will get rid of old mitochondria. It is broad spectrum antimicrobial. It'll fix infections. I've interviewed people who use it's it. It's the most powerful disinfectant on the planet. Yeah, like they it used to use it in World War One. Yeah. Tesla invented the machine, not the <laughs> uh, not uh, not the car. Not the car, but you know, Nikolai Tesla invented the yeah. ozone generator. Yeah. It's a little spark gap thing. I have one at home. You have one in your office. I do. And you're saying, well wait, how could this be? Well it turns out Dr. Robert Rowan cured Ebola during the last outbreak in Africa with ozone. They've been using it on drug-resistant tuberculosis. They've been using it on cancer, especially in Cuba and Russia, mm -hmm. places where they couldn't afford pharmaceutical drugs. So there's hundreds of papers and studies and more than 100 years of use of this stuff, yeah. but most people have never heard of it. I will simply say, if you want to live a very long time, one thing that is going to happen is you will accumulate the weird infections of old age. And these are bacteria that take 20, 30, 40 years to start yeah. having an impact on you. Mycoplasma, cell wall deficient things. And they come from mosquitoes, the they come from ticks, they come from making out with people. The older you are, the more likely you are to have done that. They come from your teeth. The from oh, your teeth, yes. The gingivalis, which is a dental bacteria has been shown now linked to Alzheimer's in the brain. The Alzheimer's and also just to cardiovascular disease, right? Yeah. So what if when you had a root canal, they used ozone to sterilize it? That's what I tell you to do in the book. What if on an occasional basis, you did some routine ozone therapy because it lowers the bacterial load in your body and it wakes up your cells? Yeah. I, it changed my whole life. When I weighed 300 pounds, I'd been exposed to toxic mold, which is another massive you problem and me both. for people. Oh yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're mold <laughs> brothers. And uh I was, in, I was in your movie, Moldy. You were, that's right. Uh, MoldyMovie.com, it's still available for free screening. But And the irony of that <laughs> is when I recorded that movie, I was actually living in my house, which I didn't know at the time was full of mold. Yes. And very shortly thereafter, I became deathly ill from mold. I was worried about you. It really, mold, it, it takes away your energy first. It's a lot like being old, actually. Cognitive function, energy, yeah. your immune system. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, and this, wrecks you. 
I grew up in a basement that had toxic mold. So a lot of the reasons that I know about the aging things, not the, not just the 20 years of running an anti-aging nonprofit, <laughs> it's also because I felt all of those things yeah, yeah. in my 20s that you don't want to go back to that. So ozone, you said yeah. it saved your life from the mold. It, it really did. And I bought an ozone machine and I write about the story in Superhuman. And I used ozone every single night uh, when I was home for a year and a half. And it restored my brain function. It yeah. turned my mitochondria back on. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I would credit that with having a huge difference. So people who are old or who are getting old or who are just tired and feeling old, this is one of those things. It's cheap. You can do it at home, but you need to learn how to do it at a, at a medical practitioner's. Yeah, rectal ozone. And it's it's pretty darn safe and remarkably yeah. effective. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I was so ill from the mold and I had a whole series of things I've talked about before, but essentially I you know, lived in a house with mold. I developed a horrible cough for a year. I had a root canal that went bad and got it taken out, yep. took an antibiotic, which was called clindamycin that then caused something called C. diff, which yep. is a terrible intestinal infection. Then I broke my arm. So I had all this perfect storm of injuries and I literally was knocked to my knees. So I developed colitis from the C. diff. I developed gastritis, my stomach, my whole intestinal lining from my stomach down all the way to my butt was just one big raw mess. I lost 30 pounds. I couldn't think, I couldn't focus. I couldn't answer an email. I couldn't be on a phone call. Your your eyes lost their sparkle. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I, I saw you, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, yeah. I'm really worried about you. Like you could tell it, yeah. it, it was, it was it's bad. It's true, I was, I was ready to go. Like I was yeah, you're, on you're my on way edge. out. Yeah. And <clears throat> struggled, struggled, struggled. And you know, you talked about ozone and a few other people I knew talked about ozone. I remembered my patients saying to me, you know, the thing that really helped me when I was sick and nothing else helped me, whether it was an autoimmune disease or tick infections or whatever, was ozone. And I was like, I always kind of had it in my mind as one of those things that yeah. is interesting because I listen to my patients. You know, when they tell me I tried everything, but nothing worked except I pay attention. So I'm like, I put together a whole strategy and I went, found someone who did ozone, intravenous ozone. And I remember, you can ask my wife, but literally two days in, yeah, two days in, I was like, my brain's back online. It, it's that turning your my brain on that matters the most. My 7 pain in my stomach was gone. My yeah. colitis was gone. Yeah. My energy increased. This was in two days. And then I you know, needed more and I stayed on it. And then I did a time, something called 10 pass, which yeah. is really powerful. We do that in our center at the Ultra Wellness Center. And it's super controversial. Um, it shouldn't be because it it's, works so it's well. being done in most countries other than the US on a regular basis. And it's a powerful modality because it's an oxidant. So we think of antioxidants as being what we should be taking like vitamin C and vitamin E and so forth, but we also need oxidants. So it's a balance. And yeah. when you take ozone, it's a massive oxidant, but it only lasts for a few seconds. And then it turns on, it's like a it's like a trigger that turns on your body's own antioxidant system. Yes. It turns on your immune system to fight things like infections. It kills everything that should be killed in your bloodstream that shouldn't be there. It <laughs> improves the function of your mitochondria, and it also increases stem cell production. Yes. So it's like, wow, why aren't we using this? And it's super cheap. <laughs> it's super cheap, because it's just like this little machine, and yet, I mean, it's pretty interesting. So I think, I think you know, unfortunately, we don't have enough science. We don't have big randomized trials. You know, we have a lot of data, but we have textbooks on it. It's used a lot in Europe and Cuba and South America and Latin America, but it's, it's, um, it's this kind of surprising therapy that I think is gonna hold a lot of promise for many things that we're suffering from today. 
I would just say that they can have my ozone machine when they pry it for my cold dead fingers. <laughs> I mean, it is that fundamental. And my, my daughter scratched her ear on a rose and got some sort of nasty infection. Her ear was three times the size it should be. This is when you would normally go for antibiotics. My wife's an ER doctor, so we're not afraid of using antibiotics. They're just a last line measure. So right, let's try this. So we took ozone and we put it in a, inside a syringe. funnel, not even a syringe, and just, just held it over her ear. Yeah. It'll absorb through the skin. Two treatments of 20 minutes and the ear returned to normal. It yeah. was completely fixed. Two 20-minute well, treatments. They in World War I. They would wrap cloths and uh, soak them in ozone, mm-hmm. and then they would put them around the wounds to heal wounds because they didn't have antibiotics back then. And it works. Yeah. So this is one of those things where, what is it doing in a book about anti-aging? If you do this even once a year, your cells will be healthier for many years, and you'll have a lowered risk I, and I'm, I'm, I'm making some suppositions here based on how things work. You have a lowered risk of many of the diseases of aging because it makes for healthier mitochondria. And you talk a lot about the science and the research and yeah, the studies. Yeah, it, it's it. real. It's real. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's powerful. Um, you know, it's sort of one of those things like heavy metals. It's sort of on the diaspora of medicine. It's like, and I, I only went to these places, Mark, because when I did the normal medical stuff, like, oh, maybe you should eat healthy and exercise. That crap didn't work. Right. I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days yeah. a week. I went on a low-fat, low-calorie, semi-vegetarian diet, and I still weighed 300 pounds. And now I was muscular, and I was covered in fat. And I was tired all the time because I was working out too much. <laughs> and, and no, it, it's not what it was. And the antibiotics I got every month for sinus infections that whole time weren't helping either because the doctor didn't tell me about toxic mold, didn't tell me about toxic metals, didn't tell me about ozone. If someone had told me those three things when I was 16, the amount of time, energy, suffering, and money that went into making me well would have been 5% of what it is. And it works at every age. It's pretty amazing. This is such a powerful book, Dave, superhuman. The Bulletproof Plan to Age Backward and maybe even live forever. I'm not sure I wanna live forever, but you know, if it, I like the option. You can check out when you're done. <laughs> I like Mark, I, I already know what you really want. You want to die at a time and by a method of your own choosing. I want to die young <laughs> as late as possible. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of these more extreme things because they're kind of interesting and I think they're still not ready for prime time, but things like stem cell injections, intravenous laser and neurofeedback. So what is all that about? Well, stem cell injections <clears throat> are... <clears throat> shockingly effective. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's any regulatory question about them at all is just an economic thing. Like if they're your them. own stem cells. If they're your own stem cells. And I've those seen some the, nasty stuff from people using yeah. like weird stuff. Well, the thing is you don't necessarily know what's in stem cells from someone else. But if you're getting your own stem cells and they pull them out and grow them overnight in a lab so you have many more of them that are stronger and then you choose to put them back in, the logical <clears throat> listener would conclude that this is probably your own tissues and you own them and you can do what you want. In some countries, actually just one country, the US, there's a drug company policy that says once the cells leave your body, they magically transform into pharmaceutical substances that are no longer yours. Just like your poop. Your poop is regulated as a drug by the FDA. That's why I stopped <laughs> pooping. <laughs> that's why you're full of it oh god now everything makes sense <laughs> and I, I don't understand the, the logic here but but i i've had fantastic benefits from not pooping I, i'm sorry from stem cells <laughs> oh gosh you can tell dave and i are friends huh? oh absolutely so, if you can so, make poop jokes on a podcast you're friends <laughs> 
and it's it's like Mark, I've sent my parents in for stem cells. Mm-hmm. Um, my my own history of three knee surgeries mm-hmm. before I was twenty three, uh, having arthritis in my knees and just old injuries and chronic inflammation for many mm. years. I did not start out healthy. Yeah. So if I can do what I'm doing and you know, be in men's health with my shirt off at 46 years old. Come on, stop bragging. Well, I'm a fat computer hacker by training. Okay, like, like these are the most unlikely you're, things you're ever like to happen in my life. ripped on the cover of men's health, all right. <laughs> but but it, like, yeah, we it doesn't- We can six packs later. It doesn't make sense <laughs> that, that if I can do it, that everyone isn't doing it because it's less work for them than yeah. it was for me. Yeah, and that, that's for like, sure. I'm the worst possible guinea pig here. So and what do stem cells do and why so what, should we be interested in them? What they do is they go into your body and they find- parts of your body where there's inflammation and they stick to those parts of the body. And then they secrete healing factors that cause the tissues there to recover. And I had a, a family member who was scheduled to go in for heart <clears throat> surgery for a heart valve problem. Yeah. And I arranged for him to get uh, stem cells, his own stem cells uh, from fats taken out and just intravenously injected, not for the heart at all, just for general wellness. And he went in four weeks later to the doctor to do a scan before the surgery. And they said, um, the problem's gone. Wow. <laughs> he didn't have to get heart surgery. Um, now I look at, I, I look at that kind of a result. So that's pretty extreme. But when I look at what happened with the stem cells that I had, it's amazing. And with my wife, Lana, when she was nine, she fell out of a multiple story building uh, playing at a construction site as nine-year-olds will do. She's had a frozen neck. She go and turn her head yeah. a, a small amount in one direction. Three days after Dr. Harry injected her neck, she could turn her neck and, and she said, well, I've never been able to do this before. Yeah, you know, I had the same thing. I, I don't know why, but my neck would always go out. I'd have to go to the chiropractor. It would get stuck and it was yeah. uncomfortable, painful, and it was just annoying as hell. And Harry injected my neck and no it's more gone, pain. Right? No more. It doesn't go out anymore. I never have any discomfort. It doesn't feel weird. I'm like back to new. And you said the keywords back to new. And that's why I feel good about saying age backward on the cover of my book because hold on, did my wife just go back to nine years old in terms of she got rid of an injury that's been there for 50 years, right? Or maybe 40 years, however, I'm not good at math. But same thing here, we all have these things. And as you age, you accumulate these injuries. Oh yeah, I I limp a little bit whenever I have too much to drink or if I eat gluten or whatever. Oh yeah, my grip is a little bit off, just getting a little bit of arthritis over here. Screw that noise, like, that is not acceptable. You need to hold the line and maybe even move the line backwards. I think that's an important point, Dave. Most people don't realize this. Most people don't realize how good they can feel. Yeah. They just accept the slow degeneration of the human body as a natural phenomena. Yeah, creeping but it's really an unnatural phenomena. Is not how it's supposed to be. No. And you should you should die fully functional. That's the plan. Yep, die young as late as possible. <laughs> All right. Now, um what about the whole thing about well, you know, we're going to have a bunch of old people who are draining society, cost services, Medicare's going to go bankrupt, you know, I mean, this sounds like a good idea on a personal level, but is it really a good thing to keep people alive forever? Isn't Medicare going to go bankrupt anyway? <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> we well, my, my next book, Food Fix, I'm going to talk about how we're going to save the world by fixing the food system, yeah. including the $95 trillion saved that we're going to save from fixing chronic disease. Yeah, that'll buy a lot of corn. Yeah. So 
let's talk about this. We need older people full of wisdom who are fully functional because guess what? If you are not reliant on the healthcare system and you are actually able to contribute to society and to your family and to your friends, it's a very different world. And what if everyone listening to the show right now just looked around and said, oh my God, I might live to 150. Would you change the way you take care of the planet? You have to. Yeah. If you know you're going to be there for a long time, you don't poop in your sandbox. Yes. <laughs> and if you think you're here, you suffer, and then you die, and it's someone else's problem later. Party hard till it's over, and this yeah. with a bang. <laughs> yeah. That's and what my wife thinks. We're all, we're all doomed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so pessimistic. <laughs> I, I've actually never been more hopeful and, and optimistic than I am because I know what the technology is doing, not just for anti-aging, but for intelligence enhancement, for cleaning up the environment and our ability to access science and to change the world around us rapidly has never been better. Mm -hmm. So now that we know we have the power, it's just a question of using the power to restore our soil, to reverse the decline in insect populations, to suck carbon out of the air and put it into the soil. Now, if you're only gonna be around for 60 good years and 20 crappy years, and you gotta have some kids and build up some economic resources, you know, the next generation get around to that. I'm going to be around for 180 years. I'm just getting going. I just had my 25% birthday mark. Like <laughs> I, I have decades to fix this shit. Someone has to do it. Maybe it can be us people who get old. I had my 33% birthday. There you go, right? <laughs> but but this is actually what it is. Like, the world is such, we have all this cool stuff. We have machine learning, artificial intelligence. Yeah. We have lasers. If we use it right. Yeah, well, someone's got to be around to use it, right? Like, I'll, I'll hold my hand up for that. I want, I want to get to know my kids and their kids. It's okay, right? Yeah. So that's why we need older people. It, we won't fill the planet. We'll fix the planet. Well, you know what's interesting is is people do think that it's going to be a cost and a drain and horrible. But there's a guy named James Fries who did a fasting study years ago where he looked at people who were healthy. In other words, who exercised, who stayed in ideal body weight and didn't smoke. And he found that they didn't follow the pattern of most people who die. They didn't die slow, long, painful, expensive deaths and cost huge amounts of money and suffering at the end of their life and die early. They actually lived longer and they were healthier and they he, they, they, they actually experienced what he calls the rectangularization of the survival curve, meaning you basically live healthy and then boom, you fall off a cliff as opposed to slow, long decline, which is expensive. So you can die quick, cheap, painless death, or you can die a long, slow, painful death. Uh, it depends on how you take care of yourself. So this is what your Nailed book it. is about. It's just an amazing contribution to our thinking and paradigm shifting in terms of how we think about aging and health and in introducing some technologies that people don't think about that are not part of the normal conversation. And it's so practical. It's full of such great tips. I'm like, it's my bedside companion. Oh, and I, I really mean that, Dave. You are a gift to humanity, your, you. your energy, your enthusiasm, your thinking outside the box, um, your playfulness. I mean, it's just, it's pretty freaking awesome that we get <laughs> Dave Asprey on the planet to help us think differently about how to stay well, get well and heal ourselves and heal the world. So thank you, Dr. Dave. I mean, you're not a doctor, but I think you are. <laughs> so <laughs> such high price. Thank make, you, Mark. make sure that you get superhuman, the bulletproof plan to age backward and maybe even live forever is released October 8th. It's unbelievable book. Um, and you won't be sorry you got it. And if you would like to share any last words, 
Not that they're your last words because you're going to oh, yeah, have many last words. Of <laughs> uh, if you pick up the book and send the receipt to me, go to daveasbury.com for info. I did an interview with eight of the leaders in anti-aging, stuff that isn't on my podcast. So there's an exclusive audio series. I'm just giving it away. So give me a receipt to show you about the book, show your support, and the simple will be there. Okay, Mark, now, I'll send it to you Now you, you well. gave me the book. Does that mean I have to go and like buy the book now again to get the- three copies for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. Uh, thank you for your work. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and listening to The Doctor's Pharmacy, please, share with your friends and family, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear more from you. And thank you for listening to Doctors Pharmacy. And we'll see you next week on The Doctors Pharmacy. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Mark Hyman. So two quick things. Number one, thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. It really means a lot to me. If you love the podcast, I'd really appreciate you sharing with your friends and family. Second, I want to tell you about a brand new newsletter I started called Mark's Picks. Every week, I'm going to send out a list of a few things that I've been using to take my own health to the next level. This could be books, podcasts, research that I found, supplement recommendations, recipes, or even gadgets. I use a few of those. And if you'd like to get access to this free weekly list, all you have to do is visit drhyman.com forward slash picks. That's drhyman.com forward slash picks. I'll only email you once a week, I promise, and I'll never send you anything else besides my own recommendations. So just go to drhyman.com forward slash picks, that's P-I-C-K-S, to sign up free today. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their Find a Practitioner database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, who's a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.